I want to say this. I do love the fact that Crossroads is family. And uh, while I could probably definitely call out every single person who's on the stage right now, Laura, I want to call out Jalissa. No, no, no. I want you to talk. But the song she did, Quiet. So good. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a CEO worship song? No, it's a cover, but it sounds oh. better than the original. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only because Jalissa sings. No, it, oh she's God. amazing on it, she's right? So good. Yeah. yeah, last Sunday I preached on humility. Jalissa, would you say you're amazing? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, so but you good. are. I, I, I just, I watched it and I watched it again. It is so good, so good. You guys did such a great job of covering the song, but a great, yes. great job on that. It's her and Lauren. And yeah. Lauren, yes. Lauren. Yeah. She has a birthday coming up. Yeah. Okay, that's right, Lauren's birthday. We it's keep talking about that. Event. Yeah, that day before. But, yeah. <laughs> but if they want to see this song, if you haven't seen the video, the video is creative and great. The production of the song's amazing. But it's all about worship, and you bring an incredible worship mentality to it. And so you could go to uh, our YouTube page, and and it's uh, and it, it's in there, Just right? Search up "Quiet," yeah, by Sea of Worship, and. Okay. You'll see our cover there. Is yeah. it also on Spotify and iTunes? No, just YouTube. Ooh. Okay. All right. It's only on YouTube. But Jalissa, we love having you. And that's really good. By the way, I, I want to have some fun on the idea of family right now. Uh, Uriah normally is behind the camera, but he's on stage tonight. Welcome. Yeah. You and I spent the last years in some pretty, uh, 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 just a couple of us in the room, right? Yeah, okay. No, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Tracy, didn't I talk about this? Uh, we're going to have one of my friends preach pretty soon, Mike Bro. And I told him about you. He was saying like, what was it like to preach just to a camera? And I said, I get you, Ryan. And you, Ryan yes. would be back there. And you guys don't, he really would. He, he has your energy, Natalie. He would be like, like, I'd be preaching and wondering, is it going good? And Ryan would be like, yeah, yeah. And he would laugh at my jokes. So, yeah, which is really good. And by the way, Pam, I have a really big surprise for you right now. My wife, Pam, is watching. Uh, Malia is here with us. Yeah. So, they, you guys are friends because Malia works at Disneyland. Yeah, so I got to tell you what happened. I love that we're family at Crossroads. So what happens, I'm with my grandkids at Disneyland, and I go to buy my granddaughter a droid, and Malia happened to work in that area, yes, right? Yes, yeah. I helped you build a droid. Yeah, so I go walking in, and we're in Disneyland, and Malia calls me out by name, and my granddaughter starts thinking that makes me special uh, because you did that, and then she made my granddaughter feel so special, which don't you guys, I love that, so thank you for of doing course. that. Of course, thank you for help, letting me help you build a droid. Okay, <laughs> and spend lots of money. No. True. But Disneyland's open now, so it feels it a little is. normal. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's getting there. Yeah. It is. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Well, we're going to dive into the word tonight, or I could probably just keep going around the room, Brian, and, uh, but, or Bill. Yeah. But here's the thing I want to talk about. It's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite subjects, prophecy. Prophecy. Listen to what it said. Oh, bye. I almost forgot. Happy Cinco de Mayo. I almost forgot. Okay. Like, okay. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Anyway, Revelation 19.10. 
For the spirit, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And what does that mean? Leslie asked me, what does that mean? So I'm about to give you the answer. Because nothing gives clear testimony to who Jesus is, and the Bible is true, than prophecy. Now, I want to say that. So the Holy Spirit calls that out in the book of Revelation. Prophecy is a proof that Jesus is who he is. Prophecy is a proof that the Bible's true. See, it's very, very true to say that the Bible's archaeologically accurate, the Bible's historically accurate, the Bible's scientifically accurate, but also the Bible is prophetically accurate. It is the only book in all of books, in all of humanity, for all of time, that is 100% prophetically accurate. Uh, by the way, I want you to grab hold of that. It, when we say it's 100% prophetically accurate, every prophecy in the Bible that could come true has come true 100%. 100%. And so you need to know, when I, someone asks you, how do you know the Bible's true? This is one of the clearest proofs. It is the testimony of Jesus. Uh, I was just uh, today, Tracy knows this, talking with someone, and he said this. He said, my sister at Christmas time, uh, we were talking about what is your favorite book of the Bible? And she said, Revelation, because I went through Revelation with Pastor Chuck. And she didn't even live in this area, by the way. And she went through it. But here's the thing that happened. If you go through the book of Revelation, you study every single major doctrine in the Bible. Why? Because the, the uh, testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that's one of the things I don't want you to miss. That's something I want you to know. And so I love love teaching Revelation. Uh, for all of you who are brand new, this might surprise you. Others of you, this won't surprise you. Uh, I actually have a reputation for teaching on Revelation. Maureen, right? Yeah, everywhere I go, they go, oh, you're the guy who teaches on Revelation. And I'm like, that's a good reputation to have. And so here's what I want you to also know. The Bible promises a special blessing when you study the book of Revelation. Now, all of the Bible's a blessing. All of the Bible's important, but God himself, Jesus wanted you to know there's a special blessing that comes in studying Revelation. So in Revelation chapter 1-3 is one of the seven Beatitudes of the book of Revelation. But by the way, this is so emphasized by Jesus, he not only says it once, he teaches it twice. In Revelation 1-3, it says this. It says, blessed and by the way, the word blessed means you are so filled with joy, you leap. It, blessed means you jump for joy. And so blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in them for the time is near. The time is near. And by the way, it's nearer than it's ever been before. But here's what I want you to know. The Bible says three things that I don't want you to miss. Jesus said, blessed is he who reads. So it starts by reading. And so I'm gonna encourage you more than ever to read the Bible, but read the book of Revelation. And then it goes on to say this, not only read it, it says, hear it, hear it. Uh, by the way, the word hear there actually has the connotation to it to, to understand it. Uh, I don't know if anybody ever said, like if your mom ever said, do you hear me? <laughs> Did your mom ever say that? Yes. Because your mom's here. <laughs> Do you ever say that to you, Ryan? All the time. All the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we word it a little bit better, like, are you listening to me? Meaning, are you getting what I'm saying? Uh, but the idea is hearing means to completely understand it. Uh, and, and I want to tell you, I know you can understand the Bible 
And I know you can understand the book of Revelation. It's not hidden. God did not give this amazing book with a special blessing. And, and then he went to the angels and go, they'll never get it. <laughs> he didn't, that's not what God does. He gave it as a gift to you and a gift to me, especially in these last days, so we can understand it. So you read it, you study it till you understand it. Uh, and by the way, I want to tell you, if uh, you're saying, I'm going to go ahead and do that, a, a tool that can help you is I wrote a journal on Revelation that will take you so you can understand it, and you can get it at Amazon.com. Just search Chuck Boer, and, and you'll see a Revelation journal there. Uh, but here's the thing. It says, read, hear, and heed. He said, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. Uh, the word heed is a Greek word and it actually means to keep, to observe. It has the idea of fulfilling a command to take heed to the things that are written in it. Uh, to take heed to the idea that we need to be a part of reaching the last person for Christ. To take heed to the idea, are you ready for this? that disease is a sign of the coming of the Lord and that you and I ought to be prepared for a global pandemic and then a great global pandemic that's coming one day uh, that will wipe out one quarter of the world's population. To take heed for the fact that Russia will attack Israel. To take heed for the fact that coming out of a one area of the world, I won't even take time to get into all this, there will be a hundred million man army who will attack. Uh, and we're going to get into something else we need to take heed of. But the Bible's clear that you and I need to take heed. And so he wants us ready. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. Uh, while the Bible says that Jesus comes like a thief in the night, it also teaches that only those who do not know Jesus will be surprised at his coming. All of us who are studying the signs of his coming will be ready. Why? Because there's a blessing, a blessing that comes with the book of Revelation and the spirit of prophecy. Now, the other place that we see that special blessing promised is in Revelation chapter 22. So in chapter 1, we get this special blessing. In chapter 22, verses 6 to 9, we also get a special blessing. And it says this in verse 6. Uh, it, it's it's uh, uh, talking about uh, an angel. And it says, And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, now notice the next phrase, The God of the Spirit of the prophets. The God of the spirits of the prophets. What an interesting title God takes on. That he's not just the Lord God. He's not just the Lord God of heaven and earth. He's the God of the spirits of the prophets. In other words, there's a special emphasis that you and I would see. He said, send his angel to show his bondservants the things that must soon take place. And behold, it says, I am coming quickly. Jesus said, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. So he said, I want you to take special blessing and heed, heed uh, the prophecy of this book. Then I don't want you to miss the next verse, verse eight. And I, John, am the one who heard these words and saw these things. When I heard and saw, I fell down to, the feet, uh, to worship at the feet of an angel who showed me these things. But the angel said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book, worship God. Now, I think this is kind of cool, Tim. I, I get really excited about this. 
the angel said to John, don't worship me because I'm a fellow servant. I'm a fellow servant, John, of yours. And I'm a fellow servant of your brethren, the prophets, which meant he was calling John a a prophet, by the way. But he said, of all the prophets, and then the last part, and of those who heed the words of this book. By the way, I can promise you my name is in that category. He's saying, yeah, Dave, you got it. Yeah, (laughs) and all, all of us who heed the words of the book, our names are in that category. And an angel, that angel, probably an archangel says, Chuck and I are fellow servants. Wow, that's pretty cool. And Dave, you and I, and that angel are fellow servants, right? Bill, you're in the group, right? Okay, yeah. And, and, and did you notice he calls out a special blessing and a special fellowship? A special fellowship because of that, that very interesting category we're put in where we heed the words of the things written in this book. So what I want to tell you is the Bible has a very special blessing for those who study prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. And there's a special blessing that comes to those who read, hear, and heed the things that are written in it. And so you and I need to be a part of that. You and I need to make sure we do that. So we need to be those who heed the words. We need to be those who heed the words. By the way, that's why it's not okay to not study the book of Revelation. And uh, uh, if I have any of my fellow pastors out there, I'm going to call on you right now. Do not ignore this book. If you're a pastor, you're called to teach it. You're called to read, study, and then not only heed it, but preach it. Share it with other people. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I really am, got a holy discontent over all the churches that have never taken the time to study this book. I uh, cannot tell you how many times I'll hear uh, other pastors say, whoa, you taught Revelation like it was strange. Or I'll talk to other people who say, I've been in a church for years. I've never heard them teach on that. And yet there's a special blessing for it. And then by the way, every now and then I'll have someone give me a a joke that just keeps going around and going around. And here's the joke. Uh, The person will usually walk up to me and say, Pastor Chuck, you're a premillennialist, right? Uh, And I'm saying like I am. And the premillennial means that, you know what, there'll be a thousand year reign uh, before Jesus Christ comes back. And that's what the book of Revelation teaches. So they'll go, oh, you're a premillennialist. And I'll say, yes, I am. And then they'll say, oh, I'm a panmillennialist like they haven't thought I heard that joke before. And I'll go, oh, really? And they'll say, yeah, I just believe it'll all pan out in the end. And then I always say to them, oh, so you're in the frying pan going for the fire. You know, uh, but that's what Pamelinius are going to. So anyway, um, okay, you guys thought that one was funny. All right, good, good. All right, so I want you to think about more reasons to study prophecy beyond the blessing. The Bible teaches that we and I, you and I get blessed in a very special way when we study prophecy. But let me tell you something else. You can't understand the Bible without understanding prophecy. So that's the second thing. One, you get blessed when you study it, but you also get the understanding of scripture when you do. Uh, it is interesting to me that 26.8% of the Bible's prophecy. Nearly one third of the Bible is prophetic. So if you're going to read the Bible and study the Bible, you must, in the end, study prophecy some way, shape, or form. And that will give you a better understanding of Scripture. Like I told you before, the book of Revelation alone. When I get to teach that, I get to teach every major doctrine in the Bible. 
And I think you'll have a better understanding of it, which makes you understand the rest of the Bible better. Uh, The book of Revelation helps you understand Ezekiel. The book of Revelation helps you understand Jeremiah. The book of Revelation definitely helps you understand Daniel. And I'll say this, Zechariah is a tough one. Zechariah is a tough one. But if you understand the book of Revelation, you will understand Zechariah, one of my favorite books. So that's what I want you to grab a hold of. So prophecy is huge to understanding the Bible. And that's why, Leslie, I tell you, the answer to that question is, what does that verse mean? That the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy is that everything about prophecy helps you understand Jesus and the Bible better. And prophecy, another one, number three. Not only does prophecy bring a special blessing, not only does it help you understand the Bible. Number three, prophecy was used by God to give birth to the church. Isn't it interesting, when Jesus wanted his church to be born, which he did, Jesus loves the church. The church is his bride. The church was born out of the teaching of prophecy. Uh, So I want you to think about this with me. We're gonna go way, way, way back there was a feast called the Feast of Pentecost. It's 50 days after the Feast of the Passover. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again at Passover time. He told his followers, I want you to go into the city of Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. I want you to wait for me. And then what's going to happen is you're going to be endowed with power from on high. It would be the first time the coming of the Holy Spirit would come beyond a prophet to every single person who was committed by God. And so it was on Pentecost this would happen. And it was on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came, just as Jesus said. And the Holy Spirit came with power in a mighty, even violent way. And in Acts chapter two, verse two, it said this, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I think it's intriguing It didn't come as a gentle breeze. It came as a violent, rushing wind. And then tongues of fire appeared over all of those who loved Jesus. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. They began to speak in languages they did not know. And they got up from where they were and they went out into the street. And they were so filled with the power of God, so overwhelmed with the moving of the Holy Spirit. And the way they were preaching, the way they were talking, the enthusiasm they had, the passion that was filling them, the people thought they were drunk. People looked at him and thought, what is going on? Because they were so excited, so happy, so beside themselves. And then the apostle Peter began to preach. A huge crowd had gathered to see what was going on. And Peter began to preach prophecy. That's what I want you to know. He began to tell them, what you're witnessing right now is prophecy fulfilled. The prophetic things you'd been told that God said would come. Peter said, you're watching it happen before your eyes. Now, by the way, I I hope you're not tuning out on me, but more than ever, tune in. Here's why. Part of what he says, and even more what he doesn't say, applies to you and applies to me. So let's look at what Peter said. Uh, In Acts chapter two, verse 14, it says, then Peter, taking a stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea, And all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. So what he said to them, you guys know Joel. 
You know the prophecy he gave. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy you've heard about. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy you longed for. And it says this, and he quotes Joel. And it shall come about in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. I'm going to do a, a parentheses moment. I am encountering more people that I actually believe them that are getting dreams from God and visions from God. That's happening even at a greater rate right now than I've experienced in all my years of ministry. Uh, By the way, one of the promises and prophecies in the very, very last days is a great, a great giving of the power of the Spirit that comes upon people to give dreams, visions, and miracles by the way. So I, the great, great time of miracles is starting to occur and beginning to come. Then it says in verse 18, even on my bond bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. By the way, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a pause, a parentheses moment, but it's on the verse. Did you notice how clearly he said the sons and daughters will prophesy? And he said it would be on men and women the Spirit would come and they would prophesy. What does the word prophesy mean? It actually means to preach by giving edification, exhortation, and consolation. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says that. So what I want you to know is that we honor this passage by not only calling on the men of our church to be filled with the Holy Spirit, study God's word, and preach. We call the women of our church to to actually uh, study the word of God and be filled with the Holy Spirit and preach. Uh, And Laura, it wasn't that long ago, you preached the word power. Powerfully, right? Okay, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I will tell you it was powerful. Were you there, Ryan? I was there, yes. It is amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. God has gifted you. And by the way, we're a church that believes in the gifts of God, and we know the gifts are to men and women, and not just men. Praise God for that. And, uh, And we would never stop a woman in our church from using the gift that God has given her. And uh, so, by the way, this is a last days prophecy that says more than ever, this will occur in the last days. Okay, I got a little, I'm not actually off. That's in the passage, I'm not off. Okay, I'll get off later. All right, so verse 19. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, then the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And verse 21, and it shall come that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Peter stops. He stops. And then something happens. 3,000 people get saved. And 3,000 thousand people got baptized, which we uh, talk about here from time to time in their clothes, by the way. Uh, They just right away went to the waters of baptism, experiencing the Lord and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit themselves. And it was just the beginning of thousands and thousands and thousands being saved and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the prophecy that Joel gave. But Peter stopped mid-verse, even though I taught you already there weren't verses or chapters in the Bible. He stopped in one sentence and didn't pick up in the next one. Why? Because the prophecy that he was talking about was being fulfilled right in their presence in that very moment. And then what happens next is for our days and our time. 
what happens next, according to Joel, would not apply to the time that Peter lived in, even though that was in reality the beginning of the last days, but it was a foreshadowing of the last days that we're living in. So I want to take you there. I want to take you to the book of Joel, where Peter was quoting from. And he starts quoting in chapter two. And then right at the end of chapter two, he stops. And then we need to pick up because we're living in the days of Joel chapter three. And look what it says in Joel three, verses one and two. It says, for behold, and I want to emphasize this, in those days and at that time. When it says in those days and at that time, he is very specifically And very clearly telling you and I, this is not symbolic. This is not just a a season. This is a moment in time that you can look to. This is a day that will occur, a time that will happen. And he's calling for you and I to be aware it's real. It's not symbolic. He says, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people, my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and they have divided up my land. Now, what happened is Peter didn't quote this. Why? Because they had not been scattered yet. He didn't quote this because Jerusalem had not been taken away from them yet. But that day would come. So right around 33... Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes. But Joel said, and by the way, Jesus also said that shortly after that, the people of the land of Israel, the Jewish people, would lose their land and be scattered and the land would be divided up. But then a day would come when they would return. A day would come when their fortunes would be restored. And it's important to note it would not just be the area of Judah. It had to specifically include the city of Jerusalem. So what happened? By the way, I'm going to tell you historical facts that the Bible prophetically predicted 100% was fulfilled accurately, which is the testimony of Jesus. So in 70 AD, a Roman general named Titus marched on the city of Jerusalem. They felt that the people of the city of Jerusalem and the area of Judea were in rebellion. And so they ended up laying siege to the city of Jerusalem, sacking the city. By the way, fulfilling prophecy after prophecy that had been given, warning the people not to be in the city. As far as we know, and actually we know very well, not one Christian was in the city. Why? Because of prophecy given, they knew not to be there, and they fled, and they were safe and protected. Those who ignored the prophecy of Deuteronomy 28, those who ignored the prophecies of Jesus that he gave in their day and time to clearly tell them not to be there, they suffered incredible pain, horrible torment, and, and death that was beyond anything maybe they could have even thought was going to come. But the city was sacked and destroyed. As Jesus warned them, not one stone would be left on another in the temple. And it wasn't. The Romans cast everyone aside. And then they exiled the Jewish people from the land of Israel. The goal was they would leave the area of Israel, intermarry with other people, and cease to be the Jewish nation. But what happens, even though they were scattered, even though they lost their land, For thousands of years, they still lived as a community. 
For thousands of years, they longed for the prophecy to be fulfilled, that they would actually regain ownership of Judah and Jerusalem. And they did that. They believed that because of the prophecy given. So what happened is they were, they were scattered all throughout the world. And then, and then it happened. In 1897, a man by the name of Theodore Herzai uh, began what was called the Zionist movement. Uh, you can see his picture on the screen. He called for a rebirth of not only the land and nation of Israel, but he actually called for people to begin to learn Hebrew again. Hebrew had become a lost language. And so now the Jewish people had this movement inside them to regain the Hebrew language, to actually understand the prophecies could happen, even though it seemed like it couldn't occur, that somehow, some way, they would own the land of Israel again and they would own the city of Jerusalem. Then the Zionist movement began to pick up strength. There began to be a movement happening. And then something horrible occurred the Holocaust that took place during Nazi Germany in World War II. But it was not just in Germany that they were being persecuted. In some way, shape, or form, they were being persecuted by every nation they lived in, Um, most specifically in Russia, where some of the worst persecution of Jews happened outside of Nazi Germany. And sad to say, Another horrible chapter in the United States unfolded as Jewish people were persecuted here. Um, Where racism has been one of the greatest sins our country has ever experienced amongst so many groups of people, including the Jewish people. So what happened at the end of World War II, the Jewish people began to say, if we're gonna die, let's die in Israel. If we're gonna die, we're gonna die in our holy land, our promised land. And it was the Spirit of God drawing people from all over the world back to the land of Israel, even though they weren't welcome there, even though they weren't wanted there. But they kept coming and they kept coming and they started to be driven away and they kept coming and they kept coming until on May the 14th, 1948, they were declared the Jewish nation. By the way, without the city of Jerusalem. And on May the 14th, they celebrated the birth of the nation of Israel again. And on May the 15th, they were attacked by what was called the Arab League of Nations. They hadn't even been a nation one day till they were attacked by Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. And the goal of the attack was to wipe them off the face of the earth. The map I show you there is just one of the military campaigns that were carried out against a nation that was not only one day old, but they were outgunned and outmanned. They had almost no weapons and they had no military in reality. And yet somehow, some way, they won the war against those six nations. One nation against six. One nation with no army and no guns against six nations with massive armies, massive guns. And they won. They won. It was a miracle. And God said they would be a people. God said, behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. It was a miracle. It was history that was made. It was prophecy fulfilled. 
But then it still had a part to be left. And that is this, is that God in the midst of the promise said that there would be a countdown. And then here's what I don't want you to miss. The valley of Jehoshaphat is literally the valley of judgment. There actually isn't truly a valley of Jehoshaphat. It's somewhere else. It's something else. It's called Megiddo. It's where Armageddon will take place. And God said, when you see Israel as a nation owning Jerusalem, then I am going to count down the time to all nations will be gathered together in Armageddon to be judged by me. The last great war before the last great judgment. Now, what you need to know is on 1948, they only owned part of the land of Israel. It had been divided up. And by the way, notice in Joel, he says, one reason I will judge the world is for dividing up my land. But what happened in 1967 is another war took place. And Israel now was going to be attacked again. Israel now was going to have to somehow defend themselves again. So in 1967, uh, what happened is they became to be under attack. It was a pivotal moment in the prophecy, a pivotal moment that Jesus had said would occur. And in Luke chapter 21, verse 8, here's what Jesus said. He's talking about his coming. He's talking about the last days. Jesus is giving prophecy to us. And he says these words, See to it that you're not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, the time is near. Do not follow them. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be terrified. For these things must take place. But the end does not follow immediately. Then Jesus continues saying to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs in the heavens. But don't miss this. Jesus said, but before all these things, there'll be something what he's going about to say that will kick this all off. Something that will cause this to all occur. Something that will begin the sign of signs that will lead to the other signs of his coming, that will start the countdown to happen to when the valley of Armageddon would be filled and the time of judgment would take place. So he said, before all these things, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you to synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead as an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourself. For I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But... When you see the city of Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are the days of vengeance. So all things that are written will be fulfilled. And he goes, woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. Now notice, remember that I told you, Jesus warned, said, don't be in the city of Jerusalem. Don't be in the city of Jerusalem. And not one Christian was. 
But there was the many who died, the majority who died. And they were led captive into all nations. And it says, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So Joel had said, I want you to keep an eye on Jerusalem. And I want you to watch. They're going to divide up the land. They're going to drive the people out and scatter them all throughout the world. And then in the days when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations to the valley of Armageddon. And then you will see my judgment come, God says. Jesus said, I want you to keep an eye on Jerusalem. And for a long period of time, it will be in the hands of Gentiles or non-Jewish people until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And Jesus wants us to be aware. Jesus wants us to be watching. And so what we know is this. In June of 1967, during the Six-Day War, the nation of Israel, for the first time in thousands of years, regained the city of Jerusalem as theirs. And according to Joel, in the days and the times, in those days and at that time, when the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem are restored, Then he said, I will gather all the nations together into judgment. Jesus talks about this in Luke 21, where verse 25, he said this, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, dismay among nation and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things that are coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things, listen to what Jesus said, begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When do these things begin to take place? Are you ready? They began in June of 1967 when Jerusalem was brought back to the hands of the Jews. And now Jesus said, I don't want you to be ignorant about the time you live in. I don't want you to ignore the things that are happening. I want you to be more ready and more aware than you ever have been before. By the way, I'm kind of interested in this. How many of you guys were born after after 1967? You were born in 1967? Whoa, okay. Do you know what that means? I'm an old guy. You're not far behind. You guys are the terminal generation. You guys are the last generation. That's what the Bible says. Isn't that wild? If you were born after 67 or in 67, the countdown's coming. It's going to happen. And Jesus said it begins when Jerusalem's back in the hands of the Jews. And so anybody born after 1967 would be those who Jesus says is the last generation, the last one that God called for. And then I got a question to ask you, by the way, ask all of us. Why is it that God would have you be born now? See, I don't want you to miss this. It probably isn't resonating yet. God is sovereign. God knows everything. And God called for a group of people to be his people in the last days, in the last times, in the last generation. So it was on purpose that God caused you to be born in this day and in this time. 
Why would God in his sovereignty call for you to be alive for this moment? And I want to tell you, he's got a purpose for you. He's got a destiny for you. He's got something he wants you to accomplish. He's got a cause he wants you to be a part of. And right now the question is, are you living for that? Are you doing that? See, I want to tell you, if I could choose to be alive at any time, I'd choose now in these last days, especially with what we've seen and what's coming. And right now, you are so important to God. You matter so much to God. He wants you to live for him and with him with all your heart. So are you doing that? Are you doing that? And if you're not completely committed to him, I would say this, don't wait. Don't wait. Right now, more than ever, make up your mind, commit your heart to him. And if you, for some reason, are a believer and you're not walking with the Lord like you should be, you're not living for the Lord the way you should be, this is your moment in time. And the Bible calls for you to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. In Revelation, it actually says these words. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, if you would open up to him, Jesus said, I would come in. And how do you open up? Well, you pray a prayer. You say to the Lord, come in, come in. I want to commit my life to you. It's interesting at the very end of Revelation, it says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. That means the Holy Spirit is calling some of you right now to come to him. And the bride is the church. And I, as a pastor, have a right, even a responsibility to call for you to come. Right now, come. And so right now, if you have never met Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something. Pray a prayer with me. Commit your heart to him. Commit your life to him. Find the purpose he has for you. And if you right now are somebody who needs to come back to the Lord, this is a prayer I'm praying you'll do. That you'll pray it with me. That you'll come back. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you and commit their life to you. We are living in the most important and most providential time that's ever existed. And I pray for those who need to say yes to you. And I ask, oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would stir in them, would call them, would move in them right now in this moment. Right now, if the Lord is touching you, no matter where you are, no matter when you're watching this, God knows and God is beyond space and time and he knew you'd be in this moment. And he wants you to say yes to him. He loves you. He cares about you. And so if you're ready to commit your heart to the Lord, do this with me. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if that's the only words you can say, say it. Say, I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. And praise God if you prayed that prayer. Praise God if you prayed that prayer. But you got to do something else. You got to let us know you matter too much to God. You matter too much to us to have prayed that prayer and not let us know. So there's two different ways you could do that. You could text amen to 77247 and it's on the screen. You could see it. Text amen to 77247 and then we're going to get right back to you and we want to give you a gift. Uh, it's an electronic book that you're going to love that's going to help you discover your purpose. Or you can go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I Said Yes. But if you did it, if you said yes right now, let us know. Either go to crossroadschurch.family or text in because you know why? You matter to us and we want to connect with you. We really want to care about you. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to show love to you. But I want to say this right now as we get ready to close. May God truly move in your life. May the power of the Spirit be upon you and within you. May you find strength to always overcome. And may you be able to keep your eyes on the skies knowing that one day he'll return. God bless you and have a great night.